Okay, so uh, welcome to this episode of the uh, L&T Chat Show. And today I've got Beatrice with me. Beatrice, would you like to just introduce yourself and say a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do? Thank you, Roger. Uh, my name is Beatrice Acevedo. I am an artist and educator, and I have been working in higher education for probably 25 years. Um, my title is The Creative Oracle. And I will tell you all about it when we start talking about how to bring creativity into the classroom. Okay, that's great. Um, so when you first started, I mean, it's, it's, you, you're going to talk about creativity today, I know, but when you first started teaching, what, was your approach uh, different? Um, you know, is, is this gradually becoming more creative? Is this a, a slow process? Were you inspired by anything or were, were there things that were happening in the classroom that, that you felt you needed to respond to in this way? Well, I think that all of us, we start teaching in education because we are passionate about sharing our knowledge. You are passionate about marketing, advertising, sustainability, system thinking, whatever, you know, you are like wanting to share that. And you are trying to find ways for the students to engage with that. And our students are very... Uh, versatile in the ways of learning and they have different ways of learning. So we come with all this passion and with this wanting to do things and we normally uh, encounter this very structured institutional modules or courses in which you are delivering a content and then you're feeling, well, I really need, I cannot be the uh, person who who is doing all the work in a way, no? Right. You need also to have some fun while you're doing things. And, and in my case, because I've been working as an artist, very much in the closet at the beginning, no? like, oh no, I do a little things. And then around like 10 years ago, I decided to come out of the closet as an artist and say, come on, I'm an artist and, and an educator, so what? So for well, me- well, just, just very briefly, what kind of, what kind of art? Uh, are we talking about? Because um, again, my experience over uh, 26 years of doing this uh, was that I started teaching very much in the way that I've been taught and realised very quickly that that just wasn't engaging enough for my students. So I, I've had a similar experience to you. I, I, I also create uh, from the point of view of being a model maker. So what, what kind of art uh, do you enjoy doing? Well, I always started with drawing. I'm Curiously enough, in the in the school, uh, I was not uh, I was not told that I was a good drawer. I was very good at math, and therefore they said, "No, you go and study something serious." And drawing is for the, was not really. And but at the same time, I I started drawing because I went to uh, work with a program of um, ethnobotanic in La Sierra Nevada in Colombia, and part of the project was that we needed to document the um, uh, plants that the indigenous communities were using and <clears throat> I was working with with some colleagues and they said well we need to complete these drawings and I was like oh my god uh, what are you going to do I said they said no what are we going to do you have to mm -hmm. draw so I started drawing and <clears throat> I realized it was a lovely thing to do so I started taking lessons of drawing and drawing is the basis of my practice so I do mostly visual uh, art drawing, illustration, collage, and lately I have been moving more into 
performance art and also using education as an art. So, but if you go to my webpage on my Instagram, you will find a lot of uh, visual art. Okay, so well, hopefully um, you can supply some links and the, they'll be in the description uh, underneath the, the episode. So, uh, how, what was the, do you recall what was the, the first time or the, the first way in which you introduced that kind of creativity into the classroom? I was teaching a module on environmental management. That was in 2008. At the time, the students, and I was teaching business students, they were not worried about sustainability or ethics or environmental management. But of course, we knew that environmental management was going to be a big thing if they were already uh, happening. <clears throat> Part of the, uh, this is also, I wanted to do, I mean, after the first semester that I got the module, uh, I inherited that type, type of assessment that it was do the analysis of a, co a corporate social analysis of Tesco or Google or a company, and you are like, no, I cannot read more of that. Also, because what is it related with the life of the students? Mm. So I changed the, the, the assignment to do it more active learning, more authentic assessment. And what I asked them was, guys, you can, uh, this the assignment was to reduce their carbon footprint in their households. Yes. So right. they, so instead of going beyond and ask companies about what they're doing, how are we doing? So I, in a way, I adapted the ISO 40001 and all the idea of total quality management of uh, the plan, do, check, act into a mini, uh, into the environment of the house into the context of the household, but with all the elements, they have to diagnose, they have to choose objectives, they have to have an action plan, they have to have a communication strategy, they have to measure their carbon footprint before and after, they have to take, a, they have to uh, diagnose and observe what was happening in their households that were using a lot of energies, the so-called energetic vampires, and they have to change things uh, and and the and and the whole assignment was document diagnosis plan aspects impacts a communication a, a strategy what happened and indicators at the at the at the other at the other side so that that was the um, the assignment and and did they respond well to that well uh, I have to be very flexible because some people you realize that not every people are living in houses, they are in unpermanent accommodation. So you really need to be careful. But 90% of the students were in household accommodation. And I think that it was interesting for them to, to have agency and mm. to see what they had they have to do in their own households. I mean, we talk about ca carbon footprint, but we don't know even how to calculate it. We don't know our own personal uh, carbon footprint. And I, I and the idea was that every element of the process, I gave them examples that exactly the same is done in bigger institutions. And I also um, worked with the environmental manager at the university, at Anglia Roskin. So he was the thing that they were doing at the, in little, like diagnosis, carbon footprint. Then he showed them how this is done in bigger in a bigger right. uh, organization. So I think that the students welcome that, although they are, um, they were like, oh my God, but this is, this is something real. Yes, 
It's not a company. No. Oh, but how this is going to work? I'm a business student. Yes, but you are acquiring skills that when you leave this module, you are able to be an environmental manager. In mm. fact, I asked them to do an executive summary and to sign as environmental coordinator, you know, their mm. name. So they could kind of uh, empower, get empowered with that. Okay. You mentioned that there were a number of different uh, creative activities that you've introduced uh, uh, over time. Um, could you give us a, an, another example of something that you've done? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I haven't talked about the creative basings, but in management studies, and me as an artist, there has been a, a lot of uh, interest in the potential of art and aesthetics uh, for organizational research and organizational analysis. Uh, many work come from the Montfort University, a lot of work come from Leicester, uh, Open University, etc. And there was a sort of appetite uh, at the research level for seeing those connections. Uh, and be, because I myself, when I was, uh, remember that I said that in order to document those plans that I had at the, my sort of epic journey, uh, I realized that when you are drawing, you look better. You mm. develop an ability to look, yeah? You are not just like, oh, la, la, no gazing, no. You are seeing. Therefore, I decided that for the students to have a better diagnosis of their uh, houses, they, they, I asked them to do exercises of drawing, yeah? It was more like an appetite, like a sort of, um, yeah, like a way of um, Donald Atkin and Steve Taylor in a very important paper that I will send in this, talk about the transference of skills, the development of skills. So drawing the ability of seeing and, and observing will help them to see better. So mm. I give that, uh, that. And the other uh, creative based methodology was photography because they had to, not only they have to take uh, the carbon footprint, but they have also to take pictures in their house of a before and after, yes? So mm. I asked a colleague who is a, a professional photographer to talk about frame, to talk about uh, elements, first uh, uh, foreground, background, you know, composition, you know, that, that the eye tells a story. So these two were, crucial tools for, for the students uh, to to have in the diagnosis phase of their assignment. Okay. Oh, that, I, I mean, oh, one of the questions I was going to ask is if you're asking people to draw, um, which I, I do in one of the modules that I, uh, I, I teach on that, they have to provide very simple illustrations and, and you'll often get students who say, well, I, I can't draw or I can't do this. And, and there are various different uh, platforms, including electronic ones, which are available to them um, to help supplement that activity. And most of them produce things that are are, are very good. Um, so do you ever find that there's a, a reluctance to sort of creativity in the classroom? Absolutely. Yes. I have a student who said, I didn't come and pay £9,000 to draw. And, and so how do you respond to that? Well, I said, well, <laughs> thankfully I have a literature. I said, well, 
you have, I mean, what, what we are doing here is not drawing for the sake of drawing. It's drawing to develop a skill. And this is very, this is what is happening in Harvard. This is happening in Cambridge. This is happening in Oxford. This is happening in MIT. I mean, the big universities are using this and we are going to use it here. So that's sort of saying this is not a, a win that I woke up this morning and decided to do drawing, but this is based on that. So mm. it was easier. It was important for me to give them a pedagogical foundation of, uh, they were doing. This is one element. The second element is to detach the idea of drawing from dexterity and creativity from perfection. So I do some warming up exercises. I also belong to another group that is called Drawing and Cognition, and we have a lot of exercises about it. And um, the, the exercises were about for example, drawing with one hand, then drawing with the non-dominant hand, drawing with the eyes closed. And the, other, the one that is a success, is a bestseller, is draw ugly. <laughs> you know, the most ugly, the best. So people love it because then they are liberated, you know? Yeah. Because what the main problem about creativity in every endeavor as academics, as artists, etc., writers is, the fear of perfection. And mm. Annie Lemot says in her book, Bird by Bird, perfection is the enemy, you know, is the voice of the oppressor. So detach the students from that idea of perfection and technical dexterity is the first step. It's like, and also my own drawings are not, are not really good. Mm. So my own drawings are a bit funny and not technically very good. Uh, so that also inspired them to say, oh, well, if she's doing something like that, well, I can do also mine. Uh, so that those two elements, the pedagogical foundations of why we are doing drawing and the warming up. You cannot just come and stamp a drawing from the first moment. You have to kind of warm up, scaffold, very easy, very easy, into more complicated, give them the space uh, and that the, the space and the time or being, um, yeah, and then share, you know, it's a sort of a studio-based learning. You have to share, you have to, if you want, some people, I don't want to share, okay, don't worry, but some people mm. share, and they say, they see, oh, these drawings are not beautiful or perfect, but they are telling us a story, and that is the whole point of the, of the skill. What, what uh, kind of year group are you talking about here, and, and how long are the courses taught over? Is these semesterized courses, or year-long, or? Well, this module has 12 weeks. One of the weeks is about diagnosis. Mm. Right. And this is happening in the so-called seminar, which is only one hour. But in one hour, you can do a lot. Yeah, yeah. If you kind of scaffold it properly. And also you give them the preparation. Look, I'm doing this. So you, I mean, you are a marketing person. You have to hook them. You have to say, look, today we're going to do something that is happening in MIT and Harvard and this, that. Mm. And these are the papers. Academy of Learning uh, Management Education 2009. Look, you know, it's happening. So it's like, oh, okay, we're doing something special. Yeah, and we are going to do it slowly, slowly, compassionately, kindly. Mm. And yeah, uh, yeah, breaking with the fear of perfection. Okay, and you mentioned earlier that uh, sort of creativity is, is quite um, uh, a big part of, of what you do. Are there other things that you use for creativity or are there other ways in which you think uh, people could actually use that particular exercise? 
Well, drawing is amazing. It's an amazing skill and <clears throat> drawing can be used in many ways. For example, mind maps. Mind maps are basically a drawing, yeah? When mm. you connect different ideas. So for when the students are doing their major project, I normally encourage them to do mind maps. I'm, I'm always surprised at how badly students tend to do with with mind maps. There seems to be this because uh, I'll, I'll illustrate it by you know going through them within class. You start with a, a central word and that what will produce a number of ideas, and you take any one of those and you produce ideas off that. And I'm talking to them about sort of trying to get six nodes away from uh, the original idea. And I, for some bizarre reason, which I I'm struggling to understand. I have a lot of students who they're fine. They put a word in the middle and they'll produce a load of words off that. And then they might produce some more words off that. But then that's it. And that it's there. this idea of I have to do a mind map. I've done a mind map, even though it's not really a mind map or it's not a particularly good mind map. But there seems to be a, a, a almost a disconnect between, right, well, I've done a mind map and then they move on to something else as opposed to sort of grasping that the point of doing the mind map is then to actually try and use that information in a particular way so can, can you give us a little bit more uh, sort of <clears throat> explanation of, of how you're using this with your mind maps i think that one of the things that i use a lot is the concept of rich picture that is developed in the soft system methodologies so the rich picture is where you put all the elements or all the definitions and all the ideas that come about your problem so this is one of the first exercises that I do with them. Sometimes like it can be words, sometimes it can be images, you know. So what, for example, if we're talking about the problem of plastic waste, just to put an example, <clears throat> what words come up, you know? What are the elements of that? And then uh, what are the images that you have? And then we start separating them, yeah? In Do, do you do this physically in the classroom with, you know, post-its and, and pencils or do you use like uh, a Padlet or some other electronic system? How, how do you get the students actually physically engaging with it? Uh, well, physically it's very easy, it's, it's, it's better. But you have a program like Miro. Miro is a very good one. It's a bit, it can be disorganized at some point. And Padlet are like my, my right hands uh, on that because yeah, that, that's something that that you do but i wanted to tell you something else about the visual research, visual methodology so the mind map is one visual metaphor one amongst mm. many others because uh, there is another uh, idea that i work a lot which is the visual metaphors which is how you represent your problem in a mind map this is one how you represent your comic your your problem as a comic you know in three stages one two mm. three how do you represent your pro, your 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 problem as a graph? You know, uh, so using different metaphors and and is the idea of this stage is not the tool itself, is the possibility of opening yeah. their and then they can use and they can uh, get better or improving the use of the tool, the one that suits the, suits them better. You know, not everybody is wanting to do a comic. Some people say, wow, I didn't think that a comic could explain mm. very well my, yeah, because we, our students are very visual, you know, they, they come from video games, they come from, you know, um, yeah. but it depends. It's it's not about the tool, it's about what you are using the tool for. Uh, 
in, in this sense. And, and, and again, with that, I do the same thing. I said, look, what we are going to do is based on this pedagogical research, there are these scholarship. So don't mm. think that this is coming out of my little whim. Uh, and secondly, I scaffold it, you know, and then for example, visual metaphors, which visual metaphors we use in, in our life. I know, for example, time flies. Okay, how do you put <laughs> time flies? I don't know the, the clock fly, you know. Well, but yeah, I, I, again, I, for some reason, I, I've, I've struggled in this. We, we, one of the sessions I do is actually on um, the use of metaphors, particularly because they're so widely spread in, in advertising. So we start with something simple by saying, uh, you know, give me an example of a metaphor that's that's in the room. And they kind of scratch their heads. And I, I don't know whether it's because they can't remember what, because obviously we've gone through what metaphors are um, in the classroom, whether it's it's that or maybe because we, those metaphors tend to be language based, whereas what we go on to explore then are, are visual metaphors. But you'll have students who'll sit there and, you know, they've got a watch on. And, and, and as soon as I go, well, a watch has a face and it has hands. And, and, and then they go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's kind of, I don't know, I, I don't know whether it's um, that they are less aware of or, or less able to connect different things together. Do you, do you find that? Do you find that they're better once they've they've been kind of freed up a little bit with creativity in the classroom? I think that you have to give them some examples. You cannot expect them to come with something. And they tend sometimes they use the same examples and it doesn't matter. You you mm. move, you would expect like they move on and they something. No, because the problem is that this is, is not the students, it's the disconnection of the whole educational system in mm. which they put you into boxes. So when you you are a person when you are doing your video game, you are another person when you're doing your Facebook, you are another person when you are in the class, you are another person in the team group. So it's it's very it's, it's the whole compartmentalization of of, mm. of modern life. And then we are asking them to 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 make to 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 open those drawers and connect them between them. And that's difficult. It's really difficult. So I always let's start with a small example, you know, a simple one, and then you ask a poll. Mm. I really don't mind even to go too basic. You might think they should know this. No, they don't <laughs> necessarily. So it's not underestimating them, no, because once they get the point, they fly. Yeah. But give them that little starting point, even if it is silly or if it is you think that is too obvious or that you're not challenging them enough. No, they really need that sort of starting point. And after that, they fly. They really fly. So bearing in mind, obviously, we, we, well, I, I'm not sure about yourself, but we've come to the end of our, of our teaching period. So once the marking is out of the way, there will be then uh, a, a period of forward planning. Um, are there are there things that you're looking to introduce uh, next year or, you know, if, if somebody was looking to um, expand their creative or creativity in the classroom, is there any advice that you might give them? I would have started with something that you enjoy doing. For example, mm -hmm. Roger, you like models, no? Yes. So bring your models, your passion into the into the classroom. I love drawing, so I brought more. Uh, I, I brought drawing, but I would say for people, if you like knitting, bring knitting, sewing, everything can become a very powerful creative metaphor. 
So start with the things that you feel passionate about. I'm, now I'm passionate about collage. Collage is so interesting. So mm. I try to work on, on, on collage with the students too. But, you know, start with what you are passionate about. How can you bring, for example, in your case, and that's a question for you, Roger. You like models. What type of models is that? And how can um, you bring them to the house, to the, to the well, classroom? There's one I could show you now, but it being a very uh, audio-based medium, um, that might be a little uh, lost on the listeners. The, the, the models I make are of uh, places or rooms, so they're they're kind of they're a bit like dioramas. Um, and again, that's uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's um, a cross between an interest from my uh, childhood of uh, things like model railways and and playing with little plastic soldiers and making plastic aeroplanes. Um, and uh, also, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a way of um, capturing something that isn't just a photograph. I, I mean, I'm not, I have anything against photography, um, but, but, you know, I, one of the issues I have, I suppose, is that because we all now have uh, what tend to be quite good cameras in, in our phones, there is a, a temptation just to take hundreds and hundreds, thousands of, of, of photographs and not really be discerning. It's quite interesting. The thing you said earlier about one of the reasons for introducing illustration is because it forces people to have to actually look at specific things in more detail. And I think that's one of the differences. You know, not, like I say, I'm not decrying photography because there are some you know, brilliant uh, photographs out there and photographers. Um, but the reason why I prefer working in three dimensions is because I think it, it helps you to actually focus on every aspect of, of, of what is there. And I, I, I agree. I certainly think if I brought the models in, it might it might be a good way to disrupt uh, the students, whether, whether or not they'd be interested in producing a three dimensional version of something. Um, one of the one of the most fun classes I, I've delivered in advertising, this was to final year students. Uh, we were producing, they, they were given the option of either doing an install display or a, um, a, a window. Um, and so because, you know, they could just draw them, I suppose, but um, because they were three dimensional, I wanted them to be able to work in three dimensions. So I brought some Play-Doh in um, and they had a great time. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Lego as a way of, you know, it can be used metaphorically, but you can also use it physically. You can strap things in three dimensions. Um, so yeah, that's, so we'll, we'll kind of bring it to a close here. Just if, if, are there any last words of wisdom or is there anything on the horizon for you in terms of, uh, sort of expanding or taking creativity forward? No, I just wanted to comment on your own answer. I think that the 3D uh, space, you know, the idea of a space and thinking about marketing, think about the consumer experience. How do you move? Like, for example, Ikea. You know, IKEA, you can model IKEA and, and say how clever is, is, is organized that you start with the kind of the, the, the visual kind of uh, stimuli and how it moves you, you know, and to end up in the restaurant, you know. So you can ask them to, to work on that type of consumer experiences in, in, in malls or in a shop or etc. No, So I think that uh, what I want to say is that Everything works, everything, as long as you are passionate about it and kind of provide 
simple bases for doing. It doesn't have to be so technical. It can be with cardboard. It can be with Play-Doh. It can be with Lego. I think that the, that that and those things can be done online too. You know, so you mm -hmm. test after you take a picture and you share it and you talk about it because it's it's a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. It's just a way to make you think in a in, in a different uh, manner. So. I absolutely would love to do the the models with you, Roger. So oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe send you some pictures um, in, in in my next email, and you can you can see the kinds of things that I'm doing. Uh, okay, so uh, thank you so much for that uh, today. I'm sure it will inspire quite a lot of uh, uh, thought and consideration. Uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, no, I would say too, to finish that, go for it. I, I think that the important thing is that you as a lecturer have fun and also you push yourself. Uh, get rid of perfection, of the idea of perfection. In fact, work on the opposite and bring your passion, your models, your knitting, your sewing, your sculpture, your photography. There are so many things. We are talking about integrating a, a student's knowledge. But we forget sometimes that we as lecturers, we are fully formed people and with interests, with hobbies, with passions, that it's important to bring them in the classroom too. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs>